from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast, Thursday, February 8th, 2024. Some you know, it's 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 been quite a week being on the road, having to pre-record the show. It's just not the same. And I appreciate all of your comments and all of your feedback. Um, and 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 thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Please make sure to subscribe to the show. It really does help us out significantly when you do that. If you go to uh, uh, your favorite podcast listening platform, follow us on your favorite social media channels. Go check out our Substack. Subscribe there. You get the audio podcast. You get a written summary of the podcast. You get all the show notes, the show links, exclusive content, and so much more only on our Substack. And, and Substack is really our main go-to platform uh, due to some of the stuff we've experienced on LinkedIn and other platforms um, in terms of, of, of reach and, and everything else. So just an FYI. Uh, so without further ado, we've got a busy show this morning. Let's get right into it. A lot here. I've been at the Department of Energy's Energy Transition Summit in Washington, D.C. this week. I've heard uh, the White House, CISA, Department of Energy, a lot of our national labs. We've got a lot to talk about with critical infrastructure. That's going to be our lead off here. So let's go ahead and do that. But before we do that, let's do a coffee cup. Cheers. Again, espresso, not a thing where I'm at in D.C. And and the, the, the few espressos I did try were just coffee grounds squeezed, like like not espresso beans. So I got the second best thing, Celsius. Celsius, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, please reach to us at cyberhubpodcast.com. I'm kidding. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. Because it's cold, it's a longer sip. Just saying. Let's go ahead and kick off with CISA issuing a report detailing how the China-backed Vault Typhoon at APT is consistently targeting highly sensitive critical infrastructure with new information on these attackers pivoting to OT networks once they're borrowed inside. Given that OT networks, for those who don't know, all right, here's the thing in ICS. You've got an IT and OT network. We talked a little bit about it when the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack happened. Even though the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack will happen on their IT system, they took down their OT systems. That's a different discussion. Targeting OT systems, a lot of these OT systems, they don't have to be old. Some of them are not internet connected, but they're intertwined and they're feeding data and, and data is going from one place to the other. So given that they're responsible for physical functions of different SCADA devices, of different industrial control systems, getting a hold of an OT system could technically disrupt. You could, uh, what we saw happen in a water plant back during the Super Bowl in Tampa several years ago, where they tried to put more, uh, uh, more cleaner or chlorine into the water in order to poison people, or it could be taking down your energy and your, your electrical grid in, in your region, it could be uh, blowing up a transformer by essentially overloading it with fake data where the transformer thinks it's heating and it blows up um, or goes offline. And then there's, you know, a shutdown and some places you don't have redundancies. Uh, this could be stuff like uh, transportation, communication, cell towers, and so much more. And this is essentially the evolution of the Chinese threat on U.S. critical infrastructure. And it's really important to understand that this is a theme that was constantly repeated this week here in D.C. by by several and, and many stakeholders. And Newberger, the uh, um, 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 deputy uh, White House, uh, the deputy NS, uh, NSC 
uh, leader uh, and, and in charge of cybersecurity, uh, former NSA, uh, discussed the Chinese threat in, in quite some detail yesterday during her keynote address at the event. So again, we're kind of seeing this stuff really take place. China is really trying to get their hands on. Vault Typhoon is a credible threat and our, our power organizations do need a lot of assistance and they need a, a huge partnership in order to be able to stave off these types of attacks. Again, when you're dealing with a nation state attack, like what solar winds went through um, and now what we see critical infrastructure, there's not a cybersecurity team, an internal team that can stave off, st like hold off 20,000 Chinese soldiers coming at you. It's just not a thing. And, and they're doing these living off the lands attack where they're coming in and they're just hiding in plain sight. They're watching these, these methods take place. They're watching operations. They're, they're long-term. They're patient in these types of places. They're not trying to launch ransomware. And so we really do have to reevaluate our kill chain and the way we approach these types of threats within our organization. That's all extremely, excuse me, extremely critical gang. So there's that. The secondary story to follow that up is the FBI recently took down Vault Typhoon's infrastructure and they've really had a hard time reviving the botnet taken down by the FBI. Before the botnet take it, takedown, it allowed Vault Typhoon's threat group uh, to proxy malicious activity through hundreds of compromised small office or home office across the U.S. to evade detection. The court order taking those down and 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 taking away those end of life devices like the Netgear Pro Safe, the Cisco RV uh, 320S, and the Draytech Vigor routers, as well as some Access IP cameras, were all kind of being used by Vault Typhoon. Again, they were leveraging those as part of their activity. Now they're having a hard time reviving this infrastructure, according to the FBI. But that also means that they're trying to restart it. They 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 significantly believe in it. So that's again something to keep in mind. That's what these uh, um, threat groups are doing, and that's what they're going after. Iran on their end, so Iran was very much aligned with Russia until Khamenei, uh, uh, until uh, uh, um, what's his name, uh, the, the dude that Trump killed, the, the, their big general. I forgot his name, and because uh, he is no longer alive. Um, since then, um, Iran and China have developed some sort of level of mutual agreement in in kind of targeting the u.s infrastructure altogether with iran really gaining some more training from the chinese over the russians and so now we're seeing iran link cyber operations spreading across a mix of government entities and contractors they're also showing more signs of collaborating with each other according to microsoft researchers that are cautioning that they're targeting american critical infrastructure and the 2024 elections um so the Microsoft Threat Analysis Center breaks Iranian-linked cyber and influence operations linked to the Israel-Hamas war that's now in its fourth month and uh, about 125 days that there's been 136 hostages, a fifth of which are now confirmed dead, still being held by the terror group Hamas in Gaza. Um, and we're seeing some of those effects there as well, Iranian-linked cyber operations were reactive and opportunistic in the initial phases after the uh, October 7th uh, attack on Israeli civilians. Um, they've carried out damaging new attacks. They've tried to target specific small businesses and organizations within Israel. Those were their low-hanging fruit. They've tried to disrupt uh, um, um, 
uh, Israeli energy. They've, they've done psychological warfare. Uh, they've also done some social media stuff. So uh, the Iranian-linked groups then behind wide, widened their scope to carry out attacks against countries and entities believed to be aiding Israel uh, to undermine either international political, military, or economic support for Israeli operations and trying to uproot the evil that is Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Um, their targets included the United States, Bahrain, Albania, and the UAE. The dynamics uh, made national news when a group calling itself Cyber Avengers targeted PLCs, one of which was the water utility in Pennsylvania. The IRGCCC uh, had, we, you know, I talked about the sanctioning of the guys essentially giving them a badge of honor by going on a sanction list. Um, rather than inviting them to a great cyber conference in Baghdad and then having one of our drones take care of business. This kind of operation is an example of what the Iranians are up to right now. And again, we continue to see their operations here um, in the different APTs. This is a great breakdown of some of the um, kind of way the IRGC does this. And again, they use a whole bunch of different groups, including a group uh, known as the Jewish Peace Activate Advocate. There's no Jews in that group. Um, no voice. Uh, and obviously, they're using some Hebrew stuff there as well. Uh, the Hunters, Sayadim, or or Enkol is no voice, um, and, and 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 several others. Again, they try to imitate, kind of build out their stuff. The Iranians are quite sophisticated when it comes to that as well. And so they're also using some AI there as well, according to Microsoft. If your BitLocker encryption is broken in 43 seconds with less with a sub $10 Raspberry Pi Pico, does that count as not being effective? So BitLocker is one of the most easily accessible encryption solutions available today. It's pretty much built into every single Windows device by every company. Yeah, we've got BitLocker on. We're good. Well, apparently a YouTuber called Stack Smashing demonstrated a colossal security flaw with BitLocker that allowed him to bypass the BitLocker in less than a minute with a cheap sub $10 Raspberry Pi Pico, thus gaining access to the encryption keys that can unlock protected data. After creating the device, the exploit only took 43 seconds to steal the master key. He took advantage of the design flaw found in many systems that feature a dedicated trusted platform model or TPM. For some configurations, BitLocker relies on an external TPM to store critical information such as platform configuration registers and volume master key. Uh, for external TPMs, a TPM key communication across an LPC and LPC bus with the CPU to send it to the encryption keys required for decryption of the data on the drive. So he found that the communication lanes between the CPU and external TPM are completely unencrypted on boot up, enabling an attacker to sniff critical data as it moves between the two units, thus stealing the encryption key. And again, the issue here is not the encryption, it's the key management system that's really clear to understand is, yes, you broke the encryption, but you broke the encryption because you were able to identify the key management system. The key management system was really easily done there. So you can watch the video in the show notes or on our Substack. And now to some more pressing news around critical on, on some vulnerabilities. Cisco patching several vulnerabilities affecting their Expressway series collaboration gateways, two of them rated as critical and exposed vulnerable devices to cross-site re request forgery attacks. These are CVE 2024-20252 and 20254 um so they target unpatched express gateway remotely an attacker could exploit these vulnerabilities by persuading a user of the api to follow a crafted link a successful exploit would allow an attacker to perform arbitrary actions with the privilege level of that affected user uh there's a 
uh, depending on the version that you're on, there's a migrate to a fixed release, or if you're on 14.0, it's 14.3.4, but if you're on 15.0, this vulnerability does not exist there as well. A Linux shim, a small piece of code that many major Linux distributors use during the secure boot process, has a remote code execution vulnerability in it that gives attackers a way to, compl- to take complete control of the affected system. This includes the Red Hat Ubuntu, Dystopian, and Sosi are all affected by the flaw CVE 2023-405-47. The flaw is the most severe of six vulnerabilities in the Linux shim that its maintainer Red Hat disclosed recently and for which it has issued an update shim 15.8. Bill uh, Demirakopi, sorry, and I I apologize, Bill, a researcher with Microsoft Security Response Center who discovered the bug and reported it to Red Hat has described it as every Linux bootloader signed in the past decade. The advisory from Red Hat said the bug had to do with the shim boot code, trusting attacker-controlled values. When parsing an HTTP request, this flaw would allow an attacker to craft a specific malicious HTTP request, leading to a completely controlled out-of-bounds write primitive and complete system compromise the national vulnerability database and red hat had a slightly different take on it the nvd had assigned the bug a 9.8 out of 10 cvss uh scale um whereas in red hat gave it a modest 8.3 and so again we kind of see that from two different points of view so there's multiple attack victors including man in the middle software supply chain uh, all of those could be potential there so is it exaggerated that just depends on how you're using it i'm not the one to judge that either but there are some mitigation and some patches available so you should definitely look at that as well any desk that confirmed last friday that a four-day outage that started on january 29th was sourced back to a cyber attack involving the compromise of their production system is now saying they're safe to use whatever that means according to official sources they're saying that they've actually been able to get Uh, everything out of the way the cyber attack affected servers in spain and portugal but nowhere else according to anydesk and this caused a bunch of questions of whether or not this could be used or not apparently it only impacted uh, spain and portugal and this could be due to network segmentation or or a whole bunch of reasons why this happened either way um, they're saying it's good to go they've kind of given a brief look at what happened but not too much and not enough And there's a rumor going around that apparently 3 million electric toothbrushes have been hacked and were abused for a highly disruptive DDoS attack. But there's some who question that claim. This morning and every day, as we should. According to a machine translation of the article, cybercriminals installed malware on 3 million electric toothbrushes and used the compromised devices to simultaneously access the website of a Swiss company, which caused the site to go offline for four hours and apparently millions of dollars in damages to the victims. This example, which seems like a Hollywood scenario, actually happened, according to the article, suggesting the information comes from a representative of cybersecurity vendor Fortinet. Several mainstream and even more mainstream and even more technical cybersecurity focused publications picked up the story without even questioning the claims, saying, Whoa, what's going on here? Well, Kevin Beaumont, the most reputable researcher we know, wrote that three million toothbrushes botnet story just is not true. It's total bullocks. Robert Graham also commented on the story, pointing out that the information from Fortinet was likely misinterpreted rather than actually being used. Fortinet called that the topic of the toothbrushes being used was presented during an interview as an illustration of a given type of attack and not the actual vector of it. And that's what happens when you don't understand cyber. You write a story with a clickable headline, and that's what happens. If only we were all clickbait happy.
That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back on Monday, 9 a.m. with all the latest and greatest. Tomorrow, uh, Christoph Fallon and I are going to be getting together at 11 a.m. and giving you all about a 20 minutes of something we call Two Sissos Shooting the Shit. Um, so tune in tomorrow at 11 a.m. Christoph and I are going to be hanging out here uh, live uh, on, on on YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Twitch, anywhere, uh, um, and, and just kind of taking your questions on X. We'll be there as well. Um, so just tune in. We're going to be just talking. It's kind of a new thing we want to do with all of y'all, uh, with uh, Christoph being the host of uh, Breaking into Cyber. And, and I, we used to do podcasts uh, called CISO Thursdays every Thursday for, for quite some time. And, uh, and we've kind of decided let's do something fun together tomorrow. So we're going to do that, and we may do a lot more of, of it here in the coming weeks. So tune in 11 a.m. tomorrow, and then the show will be back again 9 a.m. Eastern on Monday morning with all the latest and greatest. Until then, have a great week and have a great rest of your day. Most importantly, y'all, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.